Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. Studying the subject of redemption, we're in a portion of Scripture that is The Gospels have a unique way of imprinting upon you divine character. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, the, when you talk about people, their character or, or somebody being a character or something like that, there was a divine character that was Jesus when he walked upon the earth. And that divine character walked in the will of God for his life according to the Word of God. You know, he, he gave all the credit uh, to God, everything that was said and everything that was done. He said, my words are not my own, uh, and my deeds, the works that I do, they're not my own, they're my Father's that are in heaven. Amen? So he was not trying to call attention unto himself. But now, in, in his anointing, that's where we left off last week. How many remember that when we were talking about him being down at the baptism of John? And at the baptism of John, he, he was anointed by the Holy Ghost and everything changed. Everything changed then. The Bible says that, that John saw the Spirit of God uh, coming upon him and lighting like a dove upon him. Now we know that, that, that this whole process began with Jesus uh, coming down to where John was ministering under the unction of God. The hand of God was on him as a prophet and as, a, as an Old Testament prophet. John the Baptist was the last Old Testament prophet. Amen. I mean, I, I don't you know, want to cross swords with anybody about that, but that's just a fact. He was the last Old Testament prophet. Now, in his ministry, when God broke out in his ministry, we know because what he was doing was foretold that he would be the, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make he uh, the path straight, make his path straight, speaking that he would kind of blaze the way in front of Jesus, prepare the way for Jesus to come. Amen. Now, well, we know that he goes down, and in, the, in this meeting in which John is conducting, people are being baptized, getting immersed in water, and now they come up and they confess their sin. So this is not any, any type of baptism that the church needs to be concerned with. Amen. We know in Acts chapter 19, the apostle Paul found a group of disciples, 12 of them, that had submitted themselves unto John's baptism. But, but they were just, listen, they were ready. They were ready for the next step, which was that which John was proclaiming, because if they were following John, then they were looking for Jesus. So Paul just walked in there and said, well, here's Jesus. And, and once he presented Jesus to him, they saw, were convicted in their spirits, knew that it was true, received him as Lord and Savior, and were baptized in the Holy Ghost and spoke with other tongues. Isn't that cool? Isn't God good? But now Jesus, now this is a unique, a redemptive reality that is, that is placed in this scripture that imprints in us this character trait of Jesus has to be exposed and you have to see it for what it is. Number one, submission. Everybody say submission. submission. Now Jesus did not usurp what his father was doing upon the earth in any way whatsoever. He went and submitted to it and in his submission he was anointed. Actually, before he was anointed, the heavens opened over him. You say, uh, uh, how do you know when the heavens are opened over you? I like what one preacher said one time. He said, well, I don't know when they are open, but he said, I sure know when they're not. Yeah. Amen. Well, and I think there's some times you can tell when they're opened over you too. 
But now his place of submission, the heavens opened over him. And then the Spirit of God, John saw the Spirit of God coming upon him and lighting upon him like a dove would flutter down and land upon a branch. So now Jesus is anointed. Now we know according to John chapter 3, he's anointed with a full measure of the Holy Ghost. When we're baptized in the Holy Ghost, we get a partial, everybody has a measure. But that's what's unique about the body of Christ. When we bring our measures together, then we enjoy the full measure of Jesus. I like that, that verse when he walks into the room. Yeah, when does he walk into the room? When we say he does. Yeah. You say, what do you mean? When we believe, when we worship, when we do the things the word of God requires, honey, he walks into the room. He just shows up. He is the word of God. The word of God is active, powerful. It's life. Amen. We're not here celebrating a book. We're here celebrating a person. Amen. Hallelujah. So he was submitted. Then he was anointed. After he was anointed, a voice spoke from heaven. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Then the Bible says he was led up of the spirit. Now, years ago, the Lord gave me this and I titled the message, Correct Spiritual, uh, Correct Spiritual Posture. Leah's always trying to correct my posture. So I stand up straight, amen? amen? Square my shoulders, especially when she's looking. So you get into a posture. There are posture. There, 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 that word is, is, it's not just about, you know how we say There are all kinds of, of, uh, of definitions to the word posture that indicate it is a certain position in which you take, a posture in which you take. Your, your, your body language. There's people that study body language because there's the way people posture their bodies that say things about how they're thinking or what they're fixing to do. Fighters study it in other fighters, people that box and do martial arts and that kind of stuff. They study the postures of other people because they can tell where their strengths or weaknesses are by looking at their posture. So it could say of a spiritual life that there is a particular spiritual posture you need to have. You say, what is that posture? It is that which Christ shows us in his word as he came to the earth as what? As a man in correct relationship to his God. Amen? Not as some goofy religious person because I'm telling you religion can get goofy. It can look goofy. Amen? But no, Jesus came as a man in correct relationship to his God. He was the second Adam. Amen. And then the Bible says, the first part, now here's where we are tonight. We pick it up tonight. Chapter 4, it says, then he was led of the Spirit. Everybody say, led of the Spirit. So now not only does he have a correct spiritual posture, now he has correct spiritual perception. Well, you thought everything would be just, you know, great. Amen. Life is great. I've submitted myself unto the Lord. I've stepped under an open heaven. Holy Ghost has come upon my life. Now I'm anointed. I hear the voice of my Father. I have correct spiritual perception. I'm being led by the Spirit. Where are we going, Spirit? Into the wilderness. Now, now let me help you. This is, you'll like this. How many like redemption? So he's going into the wilderness. Why? Because that's where the devil is to be tempted of the devil. Now, God's not the one authoring this temptation. He's going into the wilderness for preparation. The devil's just there to bring temptation. But now, he, listen, he's the second Adam, 
And the only thing the devil's got left of the second garden is the wilderness. Are you with me? So that show you a little bit about the devil. So if you want to serve him, go right ahead. But he can't even, he can't even produce a garden on the earth. So, so all he has left is, well, he's got the second Adam, and he's got him in the second wilderness. So what are we going to do? We're going to come after him, but we've got to come after him in that which is in him that is a threat to us. Now, is he a threat? Is that physical body standing there a threat? The devil goes, no, he's not a threat. But man, I can see something in the spirit. That's a threat. That's a threat. Now, here we go. Mark chapter 4, excuse me, Matthew chapter 4. It says, Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit in the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward a hunger. People that study nutrition and, and how the physical body operates tell us that the, the physical body, after about 72 hours, your appetite will leave you. And then at, at about the, the point of starvation, which is 39 to 40 days, it'll come back. And so all of a sudden you're real hungry. Amen. So he, he's fasting 40 days, 40 nights. He's in a time of preparation. Now notice this. And when the tempter came to him, he said. Everybody say, he said. So now you've got an adversary, something opposing this, this goodness of God that we see, this, this anointing of God, this open heaven of God, this communication of God, this, this, all this goodness of God. Now, now we've got something opposing this. So on what level does he oppose it? So here he goes. He says, if thou be, what? The son of God. Now, where did we hear that term? Just, to, just real quick. We heard it real, you know, just, we just heard it. A few days ago, 40 days ago, we heard that from the Father, you are my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. The, the, the Word of God establishes identity Amen. in the realm of the Spirit. Who is that? That's God's beloved Son in whom He's well pleased. But I'm down on a fallen planet. I've stepped into a fallen race. Amen. Thank God, thank God for who I am. I've, I've come over here and I've gotten, I've gotten baptized. I've submitted unto the Father and now I'm anointed. I've got some power. I've got some resistance in me. Amen. Now notice this posture. Notice this. It says, when the tempter came to him, he said, if thou be the Son of God, attacking the Word, attacking the Word. See, that's what the enemy attacks in your life. He attacks the Word, attacks the Word. If thou be the Son of God, let me find it here command that these stones be made bread. Now, most theologians and I would agree with them. This is physical, physical temptation that would come into your life. But he answered and said, now listen, I like this. He answered and said, it is written. Now, I don't know how many were in the prayer class on Sunday night, but we read a quote from Dr. Roy Hicks that talked about the rhema, sword of the spirit, word of God is the word that you speak. David said in Psalms 91, I will say of the Lord. Now, you got to understand, this confrontation is happening in two realms. It's happening in a physical realm because Jesus is weakened from fasting. It's happening in the soulless realm because the devil is speaking to his mind. So God knew he equipped his son Jesus with the wisdom of the word because he is the word. That's why he fascinated those scholars when he was 12 years old. 
because he is the Word of God, the living Word of God. He was just telling them who he was. But when he said, it is written, amen, he was referring to the same power available to us as believers. The it is written portions of Scripture in the Word of God, he, doesn't, he didn't use some deity power unavailable to us. If you can get this, this will really help you. I ain't going to make any promise about how far you want to take it, but let me tell you, this, this right here is the cusp of what you want to understand about the redemptive nature of Christ in you. You say what? You, you submit yourself, therefore, to God. You resist the devil. He will flee from you. You posture yourself in the will of God. Listen, if God told me to walk out the door and never look back, I'd do it. Whatever God says, everything I have belongs to him. Everything, every dime I've got, every suit of clothes I've got, every sh- pair of shoes, everything I have belongs to God. My time belongs to God. My life belongs to God. Everything belongs to him. Amen. I know I've taught the, this word for years, and I always tell testimonies about resisting sickness or disease, but, and people kind of look at you like you're crazy. But when you posture yourself in the place in which God wants you, in that place of submission to the will of God, you find your Jordan. I've always said the Jordan's a type of the church. Find your Jordan. Come get into your Jordan, your place in which you can submit yourself. Let the heavens open over you. Let an anointing come on your life because you're fixing to be tried. Because it can be glorious, hallelujah, great conference, glory to God. But I'm telling you, every day is trying us more and more and more and more and more. And you need to grow in these realities and these redemptive truths because Jesus is showing us when he comes at your flesh and he's tempting you in the flesh, you've got to say, no. It is written. Man shall not live by bread alone. Devil, I'm not living by the appetites and the cravings of my flesh. I'm living by the word of God. You say, can I, can I really live like that? You can really live like that. Then he says this. It says, the devil taketh them up into the holy city and setteth them on the pinnacle of a temple. Saith unto him, here we go again. If thou be the Son of God. Why is that? Why is that word? Why is that so threatening? Why is that so intimidating? Why, why, why is the devil, why is the devil doing everything he can get you to say? I mean, he'll bombard you. It don't work. Are you crazy? Giving your money. Have you lost your mind? Those people telling you you're here. Oh, have you lost your mind? You know how he does it. And if you're not willing to resist that, he'll talk you out of everything God has for you. I started out believing it because everybody was telling me to. You know, I mean, everybody was giving their testimony. It's working here. It's working in my finances. It's working in my health. I got healed of this. And I thought, my God, if all these people, if it's working for them, it'll work for me. But I saw I had to posture myself. Because all those people it was working for, they were doing everything they could do in life to be right, right, right in the middle of the will of God, submitting everything about them. 
opinions, personalities. Hallelujah. We'll tell you it works. If thou be the Son of God. Now, he didn't, he didn't levitate him up to the top of a. He's in his mind now. He's in his mind. That's called oppression. This is an oppressive spirit right here. That's what it is. See, because a lot of Christians say, well, you know, the, uh, the devil, now I'm saved and the devil, now listen, what he'll do is he'll oppress you. He cannot possess you because you're already possessed. Amen. You belong to Jesus. You say, I don't like that possession stuff. Well, then go get possessed by the devil. See how you like that. Amen. Because there's, there's no option. But you have to understand you're bought with a price. He can't get in your spirit and possess your spirit, but he can oppress your mind and oppress your soul and oppress your emotions. And if you allow him to oppress you and oppress you, he will build it into an obsession in you. And that obsession in you, I've seen people so obsessed with the oppression of the devil, they look like they were possessed because it had control of them. So here the devil's doing the same thing to Jesus. He comes at him from the flesh. It doesn't work, so now he's coming from the mind. He's trying to paint a picture in his mind, an imagination of him being up on the temple, throwing himself off the temple, and trusting God to keep him safe so everybody can see he's somebody who God is using or somebody that God is blessing. That's just spiritual pride is all that is. That's all that is. And that's just trying God. That's just saying, well, I'm going to do this. I'm going to prove to everybody that I'm of God and that there is a God. God proves himself by his word. I said God proves himself by his word. Miracles and the supernatural and signs and wonders are a result of his word, but he proves himself by his word. Amen. So he's taking them up to the holy city, setting them on the pinnacle of the temple, saith unto him, Thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down. Now, now, he's, now listen, he got him quoting scripture now. Let's look at this. This is awesome. For it is written, he shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time they should dash thyself against the stone. Listen, the devil is the most religious being in the universe. I don't know if you've ever had to de deal with somebody who was actually oppressed to the point of obsession with a religious spirit, they will quote you the Bible from one side to the other. And all it is is a mental quote, almost like a running sore that comes out of their mind. Amen? No, it's not the Word of God in your head. It's the Word of God in your heart. And see, Jesus is speaking this, speaking this Word from the, from the reality of what? of his identity, if thou be the Son of God. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Here, let's close this up. I'm almost finished. Is this helping anybody? Yes, the devil taketh him into the city, the holy temple, setteth him on the pinnacle of the temple, saith unto him, if thou be the Son of God, same old, same old, devil never changes, cast thyself down, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge concerning thee. And on, in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time they shall dash thy foot against the stone. Jesus said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. So he's not budging. This next one, though, is unique to Jesus. 
Very unique to Jesus. Now, there are spiritual temptations. I believe a person aware of the spirit realm that would choose to serve the devil in the occult, in some type of witchcraft or as a warlock or some witch doctor or something like that, that would choose that. Amen? Well, that's crazy. Jesus had a spiritual temptation unique to himself and himself alone. This is the last try to try to do to Jesus the same thing he did to the woman in the garden. This is it. Because Jesus knows what's lying before him. He knows what's coming. I said he knows what's coming. Now notice. Again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world. Now look at this. All the kingdoms of the world and the glory, the wealth, the strength, and the might of them. And saith unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. So now we get to the bottom bedrock reality of life and all existence. The worship of God. The worship of God. This also gives us redemptive insight in seeing that, yes, the world does belong to the devil. You say, how can you say that? Because this would not have been a legitimate temptation in any way if the devil did not possess the power over those kingdoms. And that's all the kingdoms of the earth that are on the earth right now. See, sometimes I think we think, well, because we're in America, we're exempt, or Israel is exempt, or this one. No, no, God has his hands upon the nations. But let me tell you, the nations are of fallen human nature. There's only one nation on the earth that's blood-washed. A holy nation. A royal priesthood. So this is a legitimate temptation. Everything you need to do to accomplish the will of God, you can set it aside. For I will grant to you everything that you want without you having to go through anything to get it. All right. Let's conclude with this. Is there a posture? In which you pray, your prayers get answered. In which the favor of God comes upon you. And he protects you everywhere you go. In which you could travel for years and years and never have a flat. Amen. That when pandemics and epidemics come, you know what to do. God guides you and directs you. When the panic of the world comes, you'll know what to do. Because the Spirit of God lives on the inside of you. Amen? Amen. And everything that is going on in the earth and the world, if you serve and love the Lord, there'll be an anticipation in you that is not in this world as they anticipate doom and gloom exponentially, which means multiplied a thousand times over, you'll be expecting the return of your Lord and your Savior. And in that expectancy, now listen to me, church, in that once it dawns on us, now listen to me, once it dawns on us, Boom! Wow! We ain't in Kansas no more. 
Amen? We don't need to go through the litany of what's going on on this planet right now, honey. But I tell you, this world is a shaking. And that shaking in some temporary little, well, it's going to be an adjustment here or there. Honey, this whole thing is wrapping up. And we are, we are right in the middle of it. And when we wake up and realize we got to look up because our redemption is drawing nigh. And that Jesus showed us in the word of God, there is a place of grace in the earth in the last days. Because I'm going to come back for something I call my bride. A glorious church, the Bible says, that will do what? That will adorn herself. That means there'll be a people somewhere on this earth, somewhere that will rise up and say, okay, God, 100% of everything is yours right now and here because I realize the perilous times in which I'm living in. Therefore, everything I am, everything I have, everything I'll ever do will only be under your hand. Amen. Amen. We wake up to the terror of the hour. The fear that's in the hearts of people. I think about the men and women that lived. And I was so blessed to be able to talk to men like Dr. Summerall and Brother Goodwin and people that lived in 1935, 36, 37, 38, 39. Talk to them about what people were saying and how the earth was catching a fire with, with fascism and imperialism. And, and unspeakable things were beginning to happen. And people just slept it away. Until one day, we know the story. It's in our history. They bombed Pearl Harbor and America woke up. And the, the admiral, this was, this was a unique perspective of a man that led that, that raid. Because in perspective, as they, as they left their position north of the Hawaiian Islands, the entire Japanese Navy. Uh, Admiral Yamamoto made the statement, I'm afraid we've awakened a sleeping giant who's going to rise up with a terrible resolve. And I'm telling you, the same thing is happening right now in the church, that there's a sleeping giant that's awakening. Awakening. Amen. And it's going to rise up, and instead of being filled with a terrible resolve, it's going to be filled with the glory of God that will sweep people into the kingdom of God. And this thing will wrap up, and Jesus will come for his church. And man, I'm telling you, you think your life has been something? You wait. You just wait for what's fixing to happen. You know what's, what's really wild? If you pray, and if you really are, are seeking God, I know many, many of you are, many of you are falling into that posture, into that lifestyle. You sense a closeness of heaven. It's just a sense that we're not in the same place we've been in before. There's a closeness of, of, of heaven, of spiritual things, of thinking on those things, of seeing yourself. I talked to somebody about this the other day, and, and, and when I made the statement, they looked at me like, you've been thinking about that too, about thinking about even being in a glorified body, what that would be like. Why would we be thinking those things? If we yield our thinking unto the Lord and spend most of our time renewing our mind with the Word of God, 
Why would we be thinking those things? If we pray in the Holy Ghost and yield to the Spirit and our spirit man is being, is being energized by the Spirit of God, the Bible says we build ourselves up on our most holy faith, which is the Word of God. We build ourselves up upon the Word of God, praying in the Holy Ghost. Then why do we have those feelings, those sensations, those intuitions, those thoughts? Because you delight yourself in the Lord and he gives you the desire of the heart. So the heart of the believer, the heart of the child of God, the son of God, the daughter of God is to do what? To be with the Father, to be with Jesus, to be with them. Not by faith. To be with them. To be with them. To be with them. Wow, what a day we're living in. What a day we're living in. Lift your hands and worship God. Father, we worship you. Lord, we glorify your name. Jesus, we thank you. You showed us the way of the Father. The submitted heart. The submitted heart. The open heaven. The spiritual perception. The authority and the resistance. And then, Father, you said there in verse 11, (laughs) Then the devil leaveth. And angels came and ministered unto him. Father, I believe that's where we are. We're entering into a season when then the devil leaveth and angels come and minister unto us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Protecting angels. Angels bearing healing gifts. Angels touching businesses, blessing people in their jobs, empowering ministries. Blessings. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the glorious church. Thank you for the glorious church, Lord. Thank you for it, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And then another thing, it just seems so easy to step into the presence of God. And uh, we were somewhere uh, last week, I think, in a Thursday night, Thursday night prayer meeting last week. Uh, you know, like Brother Osteen would say, uh, Jesus kicked over a honey pot. That's what Brother Osteen said, you know. <laughs> I kind of like that. But you know, man, I, I blinked my eyes and like 30 minutes went by and went, my goodness. And then I was trying to dismiss or something and said something and that anointing just came right back in there. So sometimes it gets hard. I mean, thank God, let it come and stay. We'll stay all day. Praise God. Amen. Well, stand on your feet. Glory to God. Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for your word. That the entrance of your word brings light and life to us. Thank you, Jesus. You are our substitute so that you could be our example. We ask you, Father, posture us. Position us. Give us the correct spiritual stance in these last days that we might be positioned under your hand of grace and mercy. We claim Psalms 91. No evil befalls us. No plague comes nigh us. Angels have charge over us. Thank you, Father, in our travels on the highways, airways, seaways, railways, any other way of travel or transportation. We declare your protection and your safety. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, in the righteous labor of our hands, bind you, devil, you lying devil. Every stinking scheme and strategy and trap you put out there. We thank you for wisdom, Lord, inside into the things of the spirit realm so that we're not fooled by the devil. Thank you, Lord God. Father, we thank you tonight. We walk in faith and love towards you. Leaving here, trusting that a stirring is going on on the inside of us. 
Thank you for the unction to pray, the unction to give, but more than that, the unction to witness that our words, the words of God in our mouth will be a blessing to people, problem to the devil, a miracle in someone's life. Lord, we leave tonight walking in faith and love towards you and love toward one another. Thank you for our church. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord Jesus, here at Island Church, we're covered by the blood, empowered by the word, anointed by the Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com. Hallelujah, Jesus.